0: When I look at some of those deformities, they're heavy duty, and it makes me think of uh, neuropathic joints. And and I think, uh, Dr. Patel, you mentioned that. Is there anything you do specifically and always when you're thinking a joint is a neuropathic joint versus uh, something else with a severe deformity? Is is that a different thought process altogether or not? Yes, Kailash
1: yeah uh, basically in neuropathic joints uh, the the thought process is going to be having a balanced knee you are going to have a ligamentous laxity there's going to be a soft tissue which is going to be completely damaged without any sensations. so rather i would have uh, something which is uh, going to hold the knee together uh, rather than not uh, rather than putting something which is completely dependent upon the ligaments or the soft tissue around the knee and that's the only thought process which goes on when, you, when I'm addressing these uh, neuropathic joints. So
2: what happens in neuropathic joints in our experience, you know, initially we tried some, You know, they do well for six months to a year if you don't add constraint, but then they fail very early. We've, you know, burnt our fingers with this. So whenever we are dealing with neuropathic joint, which is proved on an EMG nerve conduction study, if the patient is diabetic, you know, what we would do is always add constraint. The minimum is to go to a LCCK or TC3 and at times don't
0: hesitate even to use a hinge. Okay. Uh, there is a question from uh, Sachin uh, Tapazvi. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, where is, yeah. are you? He's right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Thanks, Prada. Thanks, Mohith, And uh, Great talk, Parag. And uh, also by Kailash and Sunny. Uh, Parag, I think my question is uh, especially uh, sort of, you know, is directed to those various deformities where you have a varus intraarticular, but you also have a bowing of the tibia or of the femur, which is not necessarily at the metaphyseal level but at a diaphyseal level. So, we try to correct a um, deformity that encompasses the whole lower limb per se, consisting of some deformity in the proximal femur, mid femur, distal femur, in the joint, and distally as well by doing a complete correction at the knee. So what I want to know is that what is the current evidence on correction of deformities by knee replacement? Do they survive as much or do we expect some form of change in the outcomes?
2: Yeah, uh, thanks Sachin for that question. It's an excellent question. And this uh, brings us to the importance uh, of uh, pre-op planning and having the long leg x-rays. Because many times there are many of us including me who initially used to just take short films and these kind of deformities, which uh, Sachin is talking about, the bow legs uh, or the bow femur or the tibia vara or, uh, you know, the constitutional virus, which we say can get missed. So when you do long leg X-rays, these are the deformities, which you will see. And once you've identified them, they are, uh, have to be treated differently. The importance uh, in this is, you know, if during your surgery, you can get an all intra-articular correction, you know, then that is my first option, Sachin. You know, and that is if in case by preoperative, uh, uh, in preoperative planning, I would know whether it's possible or not. If one of the articles by Wang and Wang have shown that in the okay. deformity, if my cut is going above the epicondyles in the femur or below the tibial uh, or the fibular head uh, you know, on the tibial side and the cut is increasing that, then I will consider an osteotomy uh, in this case. But with my experience, I have seen that if you can do an all intra-articular, intra-articular procedure and balance these knees off, and you can get your mechanical axis right, then they do well. But these are the uh, patients who need constraint to be added, and if you don't do that, uh, then you know these the longevity of this has been shown to be reduced. Another important question is, which follows on with this, Sachin, is to you know introduce the topic of how much do you correct? And here is where the supporters of the kinematic uh, uh, knees, the kinematic uh, axis balancers, or having the kinematic uh, uh, axis comes in. And people have been talking about it. And uh, they say that, you know, don't fully correct. Leave the knees in slightly varus, which is the uh, tibia vera. And if you overcorrect them, then these fail actually faster. So what I have done is, you know, I really don't go all the way as long as I can balance them well. I'm not really worried of leaving them a little in, in varus. I don't worry about it. And I've seen that these patients do well. Uh, the answer to this specific thing is I really don't know uh, how much you know they would do, how long term. But if you have a well-balanced knee uh, with a good alignment, uh, I don't mind keeping them in slight uh, uh, varus. So I accept slight varus, but I will not leave them unbalanced. So that's uh, my take on on your
1: uh, question, Sachin.
4: Okay, okay. Uh, I think you you had a comment, Kalash.
1: Yeah, Uh, I just want to uh, just add on, if you're considering in cases of extra-articular deformities, would you consider an tibia vara or a femoral vara as an extra-articular deformity and would you like to correct it as uh, just like what you mentioned right now or would you like to still keep it in a little bit of constitutional virus uh, to uh, you know just to, to get the kinematics so right.
2: We can manage it with the all intraarticular uh, technique. I need not do osteotomies and most of the times I can get away in this and, and I don't worry because these are pre-existing and I don't really worry if I leave them in a slight uh, virus which is uh, told to us by You know, the kinematic guys.
1: A quick comment on navigation.
2: Uh, I'm not a big fan of navigation. Though navigation is something which can actually help in these kind of cases. (laughs) But if you've been using navigation for all, then you can use
0: navigation.
4: We have a question actually from Pankaj. Pankaj, did you want to come on video and just uh, ask?
0: Yeah. Okay. So in the same breath, in continuation to Dr. Tapaswi's question. Uh, we recently uh, this article by Tan et al on valgus cut angle in severely deformed knees, and uh, if we take severe bowing of the femur, uh, femur varus bowing, and also of the tibia, then the valgus cut angle is actually uh, in such a way that the medial space doesn't open up unless we have done extensive releases. So either in such a case, the kinematic alignment uh, guy would do some cutting of the bone, extra cutting of the bone, while somebody who's doing gap balancing will do more of releases. So, uh, I just wanted to ask uh, uh, Dr. Parak Sancheti about uh, his take on it and what kind of extra releases. I mean, has he? I have tried in few patients and sometimes I have to release for quite a long time and do the posterior middle capsular release also to actually get the correction.
2: Yeah, excellent question. So, you know, it's, it's all about balancing. But what I have seen is that my threshold for going all the way and for balancing and releasing the superficial MCL in this has gone down. You know, what happens is that don't touch the superficial MCL as far as possible. Go by the poster medial release. And I find that in these kind of cases, doing a pie crusting is very good. And the last thing, the last structure which you touch is the popliteus. And I've seen that if the uh, knee is preoperatively subluxated, then, if you release the poppy just by taking a few pie uh, testing nicks with it, then the knee balances off. It's more about balance for me in these kind of cases, Pankaj.
0: On that note, I'd ask because we've talked about balance, do you have any clear tips and tricks about when you know it's balanced? Like you're using gap measurements, you're using tensioners, you're using uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so for me, uh, I need to
2: have the knee balanced in extension and flexion at 90 degrees, and I would take them through a range of motion from 0 to 90. In extension, uh, uh, is important for me. After I finish my distal femoral cut and proximal tibial cut, uh, I will put in a spacer and just check the varus valgus movement. If the opening is, you know, uh, more on the uh, lateral side, which is usually the case in varus knees and tight on the medial side, I will continue my release till I get it balanced in extension. Once I am happy that it is balanced in extension, I go to the balancing inflection. And in addition to a bit of soft tissue release inflection, I go by the rotation of the femoral component more than balancing. And I would not hesitate to rotate the femoral component externally as much as it is required to go parallel to the tibial cut. That is the Ranaward technique which I follow. And at times, instead of three degree, four degree external rotation, I have seen that I go as much as six or seven degrees of external rotation, and then balance of the knee, inflection, which is more by rotation of the femoral component. And I have seen that once I balance the knee, uh, I, I, I am able to, you know, get a well balanced knee inflection uh, as well as extension. If it is a wee bit uh, tight on the medial side, I don't worry. It opens out a period of uh, four or six weeks rather than, you know, get into a situation where you kind of open it up too much and you have those oops, a moment. And when the superficial MCL has come off, then that's a bad situation to be in. So just a little bit of under uh, balancing, keeping it a wee bit tight on the medial side. I don't worry, it opens out. And this is the way I balance it in flexion and as well as extension.
4: So if I can just take a step back um, to all of of you on the panel, uh, you know, when you think about these patients with very severe deformities, it dawns on me that there must be a considerable amount of counseling you're doing, Barag, um, around expectations. What is that discussion like in these patients? And is there ever a situation where you say, no, I don't think we're going to need, I, w- we are not going to do this for you because of the expectations aren't aligning for the patient uh, and the surgeon? Can you speak a little bit to that? Because so much about this is that early discussion, I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'll just give you what I feel and then Sunny and Kailash, you can add on a bit. So it's all about patient expectations, Moit. And if I have seen that if you tell these patients pre-operatively the complications which they can expect and tell them that, you know, we'll not try and correct you fully and just leave you a little bit uh, deformed and explain to them that the results of this as compared to a result in a conventional care are different, uh, then they are happy it's all about uh, patient expectations and and we have seen that these are the patients uh, who actually take a little longer to have complete pain relief and uh, some of these patients actually complain for as long as you know six months and have we counselled them before then and and they're happy with it otherwise these patients can uh, be uh, happy and their expectations are not met for a longer time so over to sunny for a few comments
5: Yeah, Uh, such patients with severe deformities, counselling them for a need of total knee replacement is not difficult. Rather than that, counselling about their expectations. Many of these patients are either neglected patients or they come late because of some family reasons or economic reasons Mm -hmm. and uh, for knee replacement. So for them, getting back to their routine activities like squatting, sitting, cross-legged are the main important uh, requirements. But if we have adequate dialogue with them that, uh, yeah, we can correct the deformity, which is but obvious. But after that, if you expect a uh, good functional outcome, the pain is going to be there for a little longer period of time because of sudden correction of deformities, stretching of the soft tissue. And uh, if, uh, if they're adequately counselled, after three to four months, they, they really do well. I, I don't see there should be a major concern about the counselling part. Over to Kailash.
1: Yeah, thanks, uh, Sani. So uh, I would rather totally agree with both of you uh, in the sense that these patients, when they're coming to you, they come in pretty late. They're living with that kind of pain and deformity for such a long time that when you are giving them uh, a knee which is around about 90 to 95% of what uh, normally you expect, these patients really uh, are happy at the end of uh, the day. And uh, uh, I I think counseling uh, them regarding that what uh, correction they are going to expect, what See, that first question is going to be Am I, uh, is, is the pain going to go away? Yes, the pain is going to go away. Is my deformity going to be corrected? Yes, the deformity is also going to be corrected. So, at the end of the day, they are going to find whatever they are looking for in a total knee replacement. So, I think uh, if you counsel them uh, in such a sense that they know that their main complaints regarding what their lifestyle is are going to go away and they're going to get a better one than what they are already having. I think they should do pretty
2: well. Perfect. So I think that's a wonderful question, Mohit. So any comments from, uh, you know, I can see a lot of colleagues from India who have tuned in and uh, you know, what I would like to uh, say is, can does anybody want to share their experience and is it something which we haven't covered? Please feel free to jump in right now and I I can see uh, many faces Dr. Nima from Indore, Dr. Mm -hmm. Ashish, from Patna. Deal with a lot of these deformities, you know. I can see some people who also use robotics. So, anybody wants to just quickly come in? We have just about three or four minutes left and make a quick comment on what we uh, spoke about.
4: Everyone is happy, that's good. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, I can see uh, Surendra here. Surendra, unmute yourself. And uh, are you sitting in Goa, Surendra? <laughs> unmute, yeah. No sir, no, sir. It was a wonderful session, as usual. A very uh, good uh, share. pulse uh, of wisdom been shared by you, Kailash and Sunny. Nice to listen to them once again. And uh, definitely thanks a lot for arranging this uh, webinar. It was a great
0: survey. Thank you. So, uh, Kiran
2: or uh, Dr. Neema, any quick comments? Uh, unmute yourself, Dr. Neema, you have to unmute. Uh,
0: just I want to ask uh, views on, of the experts on the Salvasthas approach because uh, I've experienced that it keeps uh, the patellar tracking very well in place. Is there any views on, from the experts?
2: So regarding the subvastus approach, there was a time, Dr. Neema, when I used that. And what I've seen is that uh, the problem is near the tibial tuberosity when you're doing the releasing, at times you have to uh, cut more and there are issues uh, with the patellar tendon. Uh, I gave it up a long time back. And uh, of course, immediate post-op, the pain relief is better. They come back uh, you know, with the knee flexion and the quadriceps inhibition is very less. Uh, the patella tracking is definitely good. But if you see the same patients at the end of 8 weeks, they do equally well to the conventional arthrotomy. So, I gave up the sub-vastus approach. And especially in obese patients or patients who have uh, severe deformities, it's not a good approach. But on conventional knees, thin patients, it is a little better. Immediate post of the patellar tracking is surely better. Their pain relief is faster. But at 6 weeks, the difference is very negligible between the subvastus approach uh, as versus the medial parapetal or conventional arthrotomy. So uh, I've actually stopped using the subvastus approach. Okay, thank you.
4: Actually, Parak, can, yes. can you also maybe respond to this issue? There's going to be many who see these complex injuries and think, okay, maybe I should tackle this. But the reality is not every surgeon should be doing complex knee injury work. How does one who's interested or seeing these patients either get the appropriate training? What is the pathway for someone to get to be starting to do these? When should you realize, okay, this is too much?
2: Yeah, so it's so an excellent uh, question, Mohit. I think, uh, you know, whenever you're dealing with such severe deformities, you have a patient, I would not dwell upon them unless I have done 50 to 100 Uh, conventional cases. But once I am confronted with such a case, my approach would be to talk to a colleague, you know, keep him in the loop if required, uh, get him into the OR and he helps you with your first few cases. And, you know, uh, discuss these cases uh, with uh, your peers or there are now so many groups which are there where you can put up cases and get some uh, help. So these are the cases what I would advise is don't deal on them. Don't think they are you know, similar to your conventional TKRs. Three things. Uh, uh, discuss with your peers. Be ready with some kind of uh, uh, constraint which may be required. And uh, uh, keep a colleague uh, handy or keep him in the OR where he helps you uh, with the uh, case. And once you've done a few of these, then you can you know think of doing it independently because they are a little different and they require a different approach as compared to a conventional, non-complex totally replacement.
4: Very good. Is there anyone who has any final questions or comments that we can raise? Um, Otherwise, we will begin to go to our closing statements from our panel.
2: Yeah, so I think that's good. So before uh, we close, uh, I want to uh, thank Mohit and Mohit, as I said initially, you've been really working overtime uh, uh, and working so hard to bring all of this together. I want to thank you. And I just want to announce that in exactly 25 minutes from now, uh, we have uh, an excellent talk by Mohit Bandari, And uh, we will share the link of that talk. And that talk is going to be on, uh, you know, five tips for a, a successful practice. So, you know, that is something which I'm going to look forward to here. So we will share the link or just, uh, you know, with all the people who've joined. But uh, thanks, Mohit, once again, for having us. Over to Kailash for his final comments.
1: Uh, yeah, thank you, uh, Dr. Parag Sanjiti, for uh, letting me on this in session. Do- Dr. Uh, Mohit Bandari, thank you so much for letting me on this platform. Uh, and it was a wonderful session. Uh, we had a lot of discussion also. And uh, thank you all the panelists who have come and uh, at, the, at this time in India, uh, most of them are in their clinics and doing their practice and still they managed to come here. So a big thank you to all of them. Uh, over to you, Dr. Sunny. Hi. Great, offer, great effort, Dr. mohit And uh, I'd like to thank Dr. Parag for giving
5: this opportunity. And uh, it was an excellent interactive session. Like The questions that were asked by Dr. Sachin, Dr. Pankaj, uh, really gave a deep insight to the thoughts and uh, we should not over, uh, neglect uh, certain important key points. Extensive, extensive webinar, thank you.
2: Thanks Brady. Brad, and thanks Mohit, and thanks most of all, Abby Payne, she's <laughs> taking a lot of pain, you know, to uh, take us
4: through she's this. She's behind the scenes, making this all happen. So, but, but the point I would say, and I think I, I speak for Brad and all of us is, We've all been webinared. We've, we've seen so many webinars and amazing webinars. I think the, you know, the, what the, the offerings from India have been better and better and better, which is superb. But we see so much. And I think we're at a point now where we're looking to connect. While we can't be in the same room together, I'm hopeful that these smaller group sessions, what we've been doing, uh, have been helpful to you. Because I think just seeing each other. Uh, sometimes allows us to have a deeper discussion. So this that's been the purpose of this. And I'm, I'm on a personal level, just delighted to be able to see many of you and feel connected in a time where I think we all need to feel more connected. Thank you all again. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at more events. Take care, everyone.